0: Welcome into the Gump Runners podcast episode 20 Chase Thornton and Lester Mitchell here with you tonight um, Also, we have we have a guest Ryan Morrison uh, known as BB. He's on with us He's, He was on earlier in the football season, but um big a uh, big Packers fan So uh, we, we brought him on here. His team is playing um, in a championship game this Sunday in the NFL um, So uh, yeah lifelong Packers fan. We'll get his opinion on that later um, Big news out of Knoxville, Tennessee Jeremy Pruitt gets the axe fired with cause. Um he's fighting it. He's got a legal team. He's trying to get his money. Um he believes he was fired without cause. Philip Fulmer, Fat Phil's everybody loves to call him around the state of Alabama. He retires and uh so these guys they they hire Phil Fulmer and um and, and bring him in. He's gonna try to you know the Vols are back and all that stuff. So he's like, he's going to go steal one of Alabama's best assistants that Nick Saban has ever had. He's going to go get Jeremy Pruitt. He goes and gets Jeremy Pruitt. The the fans riot when they try to hire Graciano. They don't they don't hire him. They go get Jeremy Pruitt. They think they pulled one over on Nick Saban, taking his best assistant. And then in, they win eight in a row. You know, at the end of last year, into this year, and uh, and then everything just falls apart. And and now. Not only is Tennessee without a head coach and an athletic director, they're a dumpster fire. And nobody wants a part of the Tennessee Volunteers program right now. Eric Gray's in the transfer transfer portal. Henry Toto, I think I guess is how you say it, he's in the transfer portal, one of the best linebackers in the SEC. Probably should have gone to Alabama out of high school. I'm sure he's regretting that decision now. He's in the transfer portal. Everybody's leaving the program. They have guys decommitting. Lester, what the hell is going on in Knoxville?
1: Uh, It is, once again, the SEC soap opera. It is amazing. I love it. And you know what's so funny about the whole thing? Philip Fulmer turned in his own school. He did that because he hates Pruitt so bad. Look, Jeremy Pruitt is the same disciple, and uh, I was listening to a guy on the radio earlier today. He said that Pruitt, Rubbed a lot of people the same way because he tried to be saving, you know, with his attitude and all this kind of things without saving results. Which, you know, I'm sorry that Jeremy Pruitt had those kind of expectations placed on his head. But look, Philip Foreman's the snake. He finally pulled the knife in his own university's back. And now he gets to leave scot free. But, you know, hey, you're a University of Tennessee legacy. You're gonna leave the university with the NCAA up y'all's tail. A head coach who's got his legal team about to get his money, who you just extended a couple months ago. I just wonder what happened. What What did Jim Pruitt do that soured on them so bad? It's truly amazing. This whole thing is it's a big soap opera.
0: Well, do we believe that he was actually putting money in McDonald's bags and and giving it to recruits, Ryan? I mean, that came out on the damn the Dan Patrick show and. uh You know, he says he has a source. Of course, you know this is the same guy who's had a source that said that Ohio State had twenty plus players out for the national championship game. That obviously was not true. So we don't know how credible his sources are. Um, But what do you think about that whole McDonald's bag situation? Do you think um, that's legitimate or not? Look,
2: I like the Dan Patrick show. I like Dan Patrick. I mean, he's he's been around for a while. He's done a lot of good things, and he's he said some, some interesting things. This is one of them. I don't really know what to believe with the whole McDonald's back thing, but I do know one thing. If Marius Mims did take money from Tennessee, you can't tell me he went to play at Georgia for free. So Kirby Smart, you're next. And, and I've said it since he left. He's a snake. So I kind of want to see them get thrown in this. But then again – I don't really know what to believe with the whole McDonald's bag thing. It's funny because it's Tennessee, and I want to believe it's true, but I, like you said, his sources are kind of eh. so it's it's really hard to tell. But uh, yeah, it, it's a dumpster fire up there. I feel bad for Pruitt, but
0: you know he just needs to pack his bags and come on home. Yeah, um, and 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 Lester. If he did get fired without cause, I mean there's a lot of Alabama fans that want him back coaching for the Crimson Tide in some way. Do you do you think that he's untouchable? If he was fired with cause and he's going to have an NCAA investigation thrown on him, do you think that's something that Nick Saban needs to dive into right now?
1: Uh, if, I'm Nick Sab- if I'm Nick Saban, uh, you love Jeremy Pruitt with all your heart, but that is something that you stay away from. Um, the SEC, you know, and their rules and money being exchanged and McDonald's bags, recruiting violations, those are some really serious trans- transgressions in, uh, in the SEC country. So regardless of whether Saban or whoever else wants to bring him back, I think that he'll be blacklisted for a little while, kind of like Hugh Freeze is now.
0: Ryan, you know, we everybody's heard our opinions on it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you do, too. I want to get yours – where do you stand on Pete Golding as a defense coordinator? Is that somebody that you like? Um, do you think he can get the most out of his players? You know, Alabama went on a pretty good defensive run for the rest of the regular season after the old Miss game. But, you know, just about every big-time offense they faced up until Ohio State, that you know, they really got torched. Um, they played really well in the national championship game. However, you know, Nick Saban, a lot of people are saying that that he fought for Pete Golding, that Sart wanted to hire him at Texas – and then Nick Saban really had a talk with him and told him that it was in his best interest and it was going to help his future more if he was to stay at Alabama. Um, and now, you know, Jeremy Pruitt gets fired. If, if Pete Golding had gone to Texas, you know, there's a good chance that Pruitt could be back coaching defense at Alabama if he didn't have any NCAA investigation issues going on. So, where do you stand on Pete Golding? Do you, do you think this is, this is somebody that, that can get better and get the most out of the defense or, are you like a lot of fans that just can't stand him?
2: Um, I wouldn't say I can't stand him. And I've texted it to Bill. and Unless if you listen to his to his press conferences, you know the ones he actually gets to talk in because Saban doesn't let coordinators talk, which I understand why. He's really intelligent and he's very smart with his answers, which makes me wonder. He has a really high football IQ, like I said, because of his answers. So is it is it him, or is it players that just can't get the complex defense, or is it him getting the calls in? But like you said, we went on a stretch where we didn't really play a dominant offense up until Florida, and we kind of got exposed. But then we played Ohio State, and he allowed, what, seven points in the second half? So – I feel like if Staben believes in him that much, you got to trust the King because he knows what he's doing. He could have, I mean, Golding, I I think he had to pass last year because he had both his middle linebackers go out and he had two true freshmen just thrown in in the middle of August. And he did okay with what he had, but I just feel like, you know, if Nick trusts him enough, I think some of us fans just need to relax because the days us just people out putting zeros on the board, I think are over with because of how college football has changed as a whole where it's just really, you gotta score, you know, 40, 50 a game to win where it used to be. You could just score 17 and, and you know, you sh- let, hold them to three or, you know, zero and, and you win. So, I feel like you just gotta trust Nick Nick in this. Yeah, and, and it's
0: a uh... And Nick Saban actually told us that. He told us that midseason that, you know, the, the days of, of winning games with defense is basically over in college football. And and it doesn't matter how good of players you have. When you face an offense with good players, offense usually comes out on top. Um, I mean, you, you know, you take a look at Clemson. Clemson year in and year out has a – you know, or the last two years has had a top two, top three defense in the country – but they play an ACC schedule, and then they go up against a big time offense in the playoff when LSU and, and, and Ohio State this year, and they just get throttled the last two years. And so the offense is so advanced now, and every single rule that they create favors the offense. You know, you can't touch the quarterback, you can't really touch anybody hard nowadays, or you're going to get thrown out of the football game. It's, you know, it's a terrible rule, that targeting rule. Um, And so you really have to be careful playing defense. And when you play cautious and you play, you know, walking on eggshells, basically, you're bound to get torched whenever you play an offense that's wide open, that has a good offensive line and playmakers all over the field. But, um, Lester, right now we talked about the Tennessee program just being an absolute dumpster fire. So, who do they get as head coach? They just hired Kevin Steele, their defensive coordinator. A lot of people, me being one of them, think that he will be the coach just because that program is so untouchable right now. I mean, they mentioned guys like, like Billy Napier, um, Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina, who was just the coach of the year, um, Tom Herman, Gus Malzon, Jason Witten. I mean, you know, everybody's throwing names out there. Lester, if you had to put your money on somebody, who is the next coach at the University of Tennessee?
1: Well, well, that's tough. I mean, with it being so late in the coaching cycle, you know, usually these things happen at the very end of the college football season or even during the middle of the season. Tennessee is behind the times like everybody else, so now it's going to be really hard for them to find a top candidate for this job. I think Tennessee's going to have to go the Auburn route to get someone that nobody's ever heard of to come to their program. Um, if if you, I guess it can be a social media, uh, Tennessee fans, they will want Hugh Freeze. Once again, he's probably still blacklisted. Um, Jamie Chatwell. Um, another interesting name that you didn't mention was is Jeff Fisher, the ex-Titans head coach. Um so I don't know Jeff Fisher, uh, Jason Witten. Those are two really off the wall names. I don't know how valuable they are, but it's it's, it's just going to be interesting. This is this is the best time for an Alabama fans because I don't see Tennessee or Auburn beating Bama in the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, um, I, I mean. Ryan, I know you're a betting man. If you, if you had a hundred dollars of free money to put on the next University of Tennessee head coach, who's it going to be?
2: Well, I wouldn't bet that because I don't even know. It's it's just untouchable. Like who wants to who wants to try to go in there and take over that? Like you, I mean, you threw out names like Freeze, Chadwell, Napier, Gus. I guess. I mean, maybe, maybe a Tom Herman. I don't know. I would probably lean more someone like Chadwell or Billy Napier because they're at a small school. And maybe because I mean, if you go in there and you change and you turn it around, I mean, you're a hero now. So I wouldn't touch it betting wise. But yeah, it, it right now I just I don't know who would take it. I mean, Kevin Steele maybe. If he if he really wants to be a head coach, but other
1: than that, I wouldn't take it personally. But that's just me. Hey, think yeah. of, think about think about this, guys. One more one more thing. Think Go about ahead. this. What do you do for if you're Tennessee? You've got to hire an athletic director first. Think about it. If you're somebody, uh, if you're head football coach, you get hired at Tennessee, and they hire an athletic director after you. Well. What if you stink it up for a year or two? That athletic director is pissed because you're not his guy. So the the target is immediately already on your back. So Tennessee has two holes to fill, and I think that they need to hire an athletic director and let him find their head coach. Otherwise, that next head coach, if they do it the opposite way, he's screwed from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I man. I, yeah, this is this is a you know. Just a hypothetical, you know, it's just I, – I was uh, insinuating the fact that they do find an AD first. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that is the first step. But uh, once they find the AD, I don't think they have a choice other than Kevin Steele. That's the way I see it because here's why. When you're a guy like Billy Napier, number one, Billy Napier, I don't care what Auburn fans say. He was offered that job. You're not going to interview that guy and then – Say you offered him the job and then come back and say you didn't offer it to him. That's not true. He was offered that job, and he turned it down because he saw the roster that he had to work with. Um, he knew there was a potential, some guys to go pro. This is before Eli Stove and Anthony Schwartz declared um, for the draft. And so he he knew better than to stay away from a situation like that where the roster wasn't in as good a shape as it could be. You know, they, they don't have an offensive line over there. They have a really good running back. They have a skittish quarterback and nobody to throw to. So I think Auburn probably did about as best they could. But if you're Billy Napier or Jamie Chadwell, man, you know, j Law's actually said this before. And um, I'm agreeing way too much with J-Law recently. I really need to change that. I need to get him back on here and just argue him to death. But, uh, you know, he says that if you just – if these coaches, they're learning that if you're patient – Big jobs will come open sooner rather than later. I mean look what Steve Sarkeesia did. He had the chance to go to Mississippi State last year. He interviewed for the job. He got some experience in the interview process. Um, they were going to interview him for the Auburn job. He actually turned down the interview. But And then look where he ends up. He does He does a good job in the position that he's at, and now he's making $7 million at the University of Texas. He's on a gold mine over there. So, he is, he is the, the prime example of, you know, good things come to those who wait. So, if these guys are smart at all, I mean, if you're, if you're itching for a, for a power five job this bad, that you're gonna take this situation where this roster is gone, all your good players are leaving, um, Garantano's in the portal, Toto, um, Eric Gray, uh, that, you know, those are your top three offensive weapons, they're all gone, and, you're sitting here, you've got you know, less than a month before national signing day. Um, guys are decommitting less than right and you know, the ones that haven't signed. And and it's just it's just and plus on top of that, you've got an NCAA investigation possibly to deal with. Nobody really knows what's gonna come of this situation. This could be something minor and it could go away in a year or two, or they could come down like old like they did on Ole Miss. And get hit with a bunch of scholarship restrictions and all this stuff. So no you don't really know what's gonna happen over the next three or four years with the Tennessee football program, you know, relate you know, relative to NCAA investigation. So if you're really itching for a P five job that bad, go ahead. But I think those guys are smart enough to not take that. And I think they hire Kevin Steele just because I think he's really the only one that'll take it. Um you know, that, that's, that's the way I look at it. But um, moving into, uh, to, to, you know, talking about coaching hires, Alabama hires Doug Marone, the uh, former Jacksonville Jaguar head coach. He's going to come in and coach the offensive line at Alabama. Um, Lester, tell, tell, tell me what you think of this hire. You know, now you have Bill O'Brien, Doug Marone, and Nick Saban, three former NFL head coaches on the same staff. Tell me how you think he fits in here at Alabama.
1: I think he's going to do great. Um, doing a little research on him, I did not know that he has a, an, an extensive record as a college head coach. Um, him and Bill O'Brien actually coached together at one of their coaching stops. So I think he's going to step in. He's going to inherit a great office line. I think he's going to be a great recruiter for Alabama. Um, on top of the fact that Alabama just recruits itself, like you said, having three former NFL head coaches on the roster, what aspiring NFL prospect would not want to play for that? So, I think Doug Brown is a great hire, and uh it's going to be really, really good for Alabama. A true asset.
0: Ryan, do you think that the the fact that Alabama has three former NFL head coaches on their staff? Do you think do you ever worry because you know this isn't the first NFL head coach that Nick Saban has brought on to the staff at Alabama? Do you worry about how they get along, you know, because you know, do you ever worry about having too many Chiefs and, and not enough Indians, or do you think the Nick Saban's pretty much got it under control and they understand the role that they're supposed to play?
2: No, I feel like Nick's got it under control. I feel like I feel like these guys, especially like Marone, who just got in, well, I guess and Bill O'Brien just got let off of jobs, especially the way Bill O'Brien went out, I mean he had players leading a revolt against him, and now Houston's a dumpster fire. So I feel like these guys are just trying to come in, do what's asked of them, do their job, and then maybe you know someone come, comes calling. But I kind of agree with Lester. I didn't really know. I didn't really know he had an extensive college coaching career. So I kind of like went and looked it up when I saw that his name was getting rumored. I didn't know that he and Bill O'Brien had a, had a stop together. So. I think it's a great hire, I agree. Um and I feel like he's gonna come in and he's gonna do what's asked of him because I think he understands like I'm I'm coming here to get my to rehab my image, so to speak, because that's just what it seems like everybody wants to come there and do. I mean Kevin Summon's name's getting thrown around for the possible tight end slash special teams
0: coach. So I feel like it's a good hire. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Kevin Sumlin in a minute. More on Doug Marrone real quick. The the only thing, I, you know, I want to say that it worries me that he has not been in the college game since 2012 when he was a head coach at Syracuse. Um, you know, he went to the Buffalo Bills to be their head coach in 2013 and has not returned to college. Think about how much the game has changed over the last eight years. It hadn't really changed too much in the NFL. It's still, you know, you got to dominate the line of scrimmage, you got to play in the box, and there are some spread schemes that have made it to the NFL, but it's not wide open pitch and catch. I mean, you throw a hitch route in the NFL, you're getting negative two yards. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and so, I think the college game is so much different still than the uh, than the NFL game. And you just you wonder how much NFL head coaches pay attention to the college game because once you get to the NFL, you're all high and mighty. There's a huge difference in the ego. When you go from college to the NFL, I mean, these guys are put on a pedestal and everybody thinks that that is the end all be all. You've got to get to the NFL. For years and years, we have heard about Nick Saban getting back to the NFL. You know, he failed in the NFL, so he wants another shot. He wants another shot. He's learned all this stuff. You know, some guys are just better. They're just better off in college. And I'm not saying that Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone are one of those, but I th- I think that they finally figured out that, hey, you know, maybe i need a break from the nfl maybe i do need to get back into the college game and uh and so i want to say that i worry about him on the recruiting trail just because he hasn't had to do it in in eight years he's eight years older than he was you know whenever he was recruiting at the college level how does he relate to 15 16 17 18 year old kids and um but then the other the other part of me thinks that you know he's at alabama how hard do you actually have to recruit? It's, hey, do you want to win a national championship or not? Because there's basically three schools that are going to win a national championship every year, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. That's your competition. If you want to go to to Auburn or to Florida or maybe to Georgia or Tennessee, wherever, go ahead. I mean you might be able to play as a freshman. You're not going to get a ring because those are all going to Alabama. Um, and so it's not hard to recruit to the program. And because of where it's at. So I think that helps out a lot. Um, Lester, let, let me ask you this. Do you think that it's an issue with Nick Saban bringing in guys like this? Do you think it gives them false hope? And let me, let me try to word this. Okay. A good example. Let's take Jeremy Pruitt. Okay. If he was not the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Whenever he was hired, I believe it was actually the 20 – he was hired in 2017. If he's, the, if he's the defensive coordinator at Georgia or Florida, do you think that Tennessee hires him?
1: Uh, there's nah, – no, no shot. Okay, no shot.
0: and so my point is do you think that being an assistant coach at Alabama hurts you as much as it helps you? And here's my reasoning for that. And Ryan, I'm gonna get your opinion on this in a minute. Do you you know, these coaches come in and they are snatched up so fast to be brought to be to be promoted, whether it's the head coach or you know, from from linebackers to a defensive coordinator, whatever the case is, and they don't really seem to be having a lot of success. There's so few I mean, think about all the saving assistants that have been hired. And think about the few of them that have succeeded. You know, I mean, Kirby Smart gets five star talent year in and year out. Can't figure out what to do with it. Jimbo Fisher has had success, but you've got so many guys. Whether it's Jim McElwain or Will Muschamp or Jeremy Pruitt, you've got so many guys that are unemployed. And you know, as good as of an offensive coordinator Steve Sarkisian was, we don't know what he's going to do at Texas. We would like to think that he would be a successful head coach. But let's face it, Texas is not Alabama. You don't have that kind of talent. You don't have that kind of system, where it's an NFL. You don't have that kind of you know. They have the money out there to make it happen, but you just don't know how how it's going to develop when he's away from Nick Saban. Um, Nick Saban takes these guys under their wing. Do you think that it's a problem for some of these coaches because they're going to jump at the first job? You know, Charles Huff's another good example. I mean, Alabama got him out of nowhere. Nobody had really ever heard of Charles Huff. All of a sudden he comes to Alabama. Boom, he's the best recruiter in the country. Yeah, maybe he's a good recruiter, but he's also recruiting to the best program in the country, so it's pretty damn easy. And uh, and so do you think that it hurts the assistants coaching at Alabama as much as it helps them? Because it's going to help you get a promotion somewhere. It's going to help you get more money, but that might only last two or three years because once, once they get out from under Nick Saban, they're just not very good.
1: Heavy is the head that wears the crown. That is so true. It's it's I appreciate easy. Dropping that
0: knowledge tonight. We needed that. Yes, yes. yes absolutely. Anytime.
1: It is so easy to manage one thing at a time. Especially in Alabama, where the blue the blueprint is laid out for you. It is so easy to be. Oh, not easy, but the job, like you say, it's made much easier to be a position coach at Alabama. You will coach the best talent. You will coach a Heisman Trophy, you know, potential every single year. Now you go to your own university. you You go to be a head coach or whatever, somewhere else. Now, oh, crap. I have to manage so much stuff now. From the media to the fans to the boosters to the administration, it's not the same. And I get it; people want. It's it's almost like the uh, the McVeigh thing in the NFL. Everybody wants somebody who's been in contact with uh, McVeigh, the Rams coach. But it's it's so it's so different once you are the man. How are you going to manage and handle everything else that comes with it? On top of that. Are you going to attract the best talent, the best coaches to be on your staff? That's the I'm thinking about Nick Saban. Nick Saban is the greatest coach in college football in history, but I'll be damned if he does not put together the best staffs in the country, full of the best recruiters, the most knowledgeable people, the deepest support staffs. Are you Jeremy Pruitt? Are you Kirby Smart? Are you Charles Huff? Are you Jim McElwain? Are you going to do that? Do you have the credentials to bring in those same people, the same type of people? Bush Jones, are you going to do that? It's so different being the guy. And, you know, a lot of flesh and hey, Sark, come to Texas. Come do this, Arkansas. Or Pruitt, come to Tennessee. Kirby, come home. Come to Georgia. Great. That all sounds good. But now you are the guy now. And it's, it's 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 I think it's tougher than these guys think when they get to these places when they get these opportunities, but you know that that's my assessment of the job. It's 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 different, and it's so much more different than anything these guys can think of. You can watch and you can see how he handles the press, you can see how he handles the boosters, you can see how he well you may not see how he handles the administration, but it's completely different when you have to do it for yourself.
0: Yeah, and 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 you know Ryan, just I want you to piggyback off of that. Do, you know, same question. Just do you think that Nick Sa- the assistance that Nick Saban brings in, do you think it 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 hurts them in Alabama as much as it as it, helps him? I mean, it
2: helps them? I think it helps them money wise and, and and getting another job, but it hurts them because these ads that are hiring the 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 Saban assistants think, all right, he's going to come in and he's going to be Nick. He's going to be the next Saban. We're going to win X amount of national championships, all Americans. We're going to recruit five stars. These teams got to start lowering their expectations because, like you said earlier, honestly, every year, you know there's going to be the three teams that are going to be in the playoffs, and it's Clemson, Bama, and Ohio State. The fourth team, who knows? So I think – it hurts them because you come in with already this added pressure of, well, he's going to win these. like I said, he's going to win this amount of games. He's going to win national championships and all this. So it helps some money wise, because yeah, I mean, Sark just took a huge pay raise, but can you get the staff in there who can coach these guys up? Can you handle the pressure of having so much more on you than just coaching a position? So, there's just so much pressure that goes into it, and it really does hurt him in the long run because now, you know, Pruitt's out here trying to compete for recruits and allegedly handing out McDonald's bags of money. Well, he might not be coaching for a while. I mean, look at the same thing with Hugh Freeze. He had to go out for a while too. So the pressure of you leaving is just it's – so, it's so high because the standards that these ADs set are so high. So I think maybe teams need to in in eighties maybe need to start lowering that a
0: little bit. Yeah, and and another reason they think like that is because they see the production that they're that they're having with their you know respected positions, whether it's Sark with the offense or you know Kyle Flood with the uh, the offensive line, you know winning the Joe Moore Award or whatever, and. You know, Like Lester touched on, these are the best the, – this is the most talent in the country year in and year out that, that they are coaching. I mean it doesn't take a lot to coach Najee Harris. It doesn't take a lot to coach Devonta Smith, and so a lot of people don't realize, and they're here for two or three years. All of a sudden they think that they've learned enough from Coach Saban to take that and build their own program, and all of a sudden I'm going to go back, and I'm going to pick on Jeremy Pruitt again. Because I think he's the easiest target right now. That guy is under saving for two years two or three years. And then he he says, you know, I'm ready for a big time power five job. So he takes the Tennessee job, they pay him a whole bunch of a whole bunch of money. And then all of a sudden he said, Oh crap, I don't have the facilities that Alabama does, the nutrition center, the um the in the the indoor practice facility, the locker room, I don't have all these amenities to, to to help me recruit. I have to recruit to this you know dump of a stadium that I have overlooking the Tennessee River and you know the campus is awful and and then all of a sudden you can't get players in here. So you start putting cash in McDonald's bags. And then you know you, you realize real quick that when you don't have top tier talent It's a hell of a lot harder to coach. And whenever you go into a game that, you know, on paper, when you're at Alabama, you have a better roster than every single team that you play. I don't care if it's in a playoff or a national championship game, you might be outmatched at some positions, but overall, you know, the starting 22, you're going to have a better roster than every single team that you play. And so it's really easy to coach, and it's really easy to produce and recruit whenever you have all this talent and all this all these nice facilities that Alabama is built. Um, and then when you go somewhere else, you don't have that anymore. All of a sudden, you 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 resort to cheating because that's the only way you can get guys away from Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia. Um, and so, really, you know, recruiting wise, Kirby Smart is consistently in the top three. And so he learned how to recruit from Nick Saban. He's also on a gold mine over there in Georgia. You know, he has a lot of facility help and fan support and everything. Um but, you know, now it's a development issue over there at Georgia. He hasn't been able to produce but one SEC championship. You know, he's gotten to the playoff and he, he he lost to his uh his former his former boss in the national championship game. So yeah, I I it's I think it's very easy to make the argument that Yes, it, it will help you to be an assistant in Alabama because you are basically guaranteed a job within two to three years. You are guaranteed a promotion, Um, but also if you really break it down, it also hurts you because like Ryan said with the expectations and then like with me and Lester said with with the talent deficit that you're going to have wherever else you go… There's only been a certain, you know, just a handful of coaches that have left Nick Saban and had success at the programs they're at now, um, and so that's 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 definitely a you know a good argument and a good segment to talk about there. Let's talk real quick about the other coaching changes in Alabama or possible coaching replacements. You know, like we said earlier, Charles Huff goes to Marshall to be the head coach. Um, Jeff Banks goes to. Texas to be the special teams coordinator, kind of a lateral move there. He's also an assistant head coach now, so he did get a a pay raise. But uh, um, running backs coach, Eddie Graham's name is out there. He is the, uh, the offensive coordinator and running backs coach at Kentucky for the last five years. Before that, he was Cincinnati's offensive coordinator and running backs coach. His name has been mentioned along with Lance Taylor, who actually walked on at Alabama in the early 2000s. Um, under Mike Shula, I believe, and then was a graduate assistant for Nick Saban in 07 and 08. He's been spending time, um, as a Stanford's running back coach since then. He's been with the Jets for a couple of years, and then he was at Notre Dame last year, and yeah, I think, I believe 19 and 20, he was at Notre Dame. His name has been thrown out there as well. Um, for the special teams and tight end position, Jay Bullwear, um, who is at Texas who was not being retained by Steve Sarkeesian. Obviously, they just hired Jeff Banks, so there could be a a potential switch right there in coaches. And then also Kevin Sumlin's name has been thrown around. Lester, tell me about these two positions, the running back's coach and the the special teams position, and tell me who you'd like to see hired there.
1: Well, um, look, the guy from Kentucky – I tell you what, it was fun watching Benny Snell run the ball for those guys for those couple of years when he was there. I'd be down with Eddie Grant. Love it. I'd be down with Lance Taylor. I love it. Anybody, me, hire me, I'll do it. Shoot, it don't matter. I tell you what, the most important of these hires, the most important one of these hires is the special teams coach because you will lose the game with terrible special teams. Now, you know, a lot of people, there are three phases to football, offense, defense, and special teams. You can believe that special teams aren't important if you want to, but as Alabama fans know and other teams, or other, everybody's lost via special teams at some point. It is a super important position. I, I'm just going to trust Saban to make the best hire. Also, tight ends. Let's get somebody in there who will further develop Jalil Billingsley and get his ball, get his tail the ball some, so I'd be down with anybody, none of the choices that you've listed are bad but they've got to be the right choices and I I trust Saban to make the right hire
0: yeah, I I really wouldn't mind either one because there's ties to Texas with both of them and you know, I I believe Sarkeesia would do a good job of recruiting the state of Texas, Um, Jimbo does okay, Um, but you know, the fact is, and a lot of yeah you know, uh, this is something that people don't realize. this isn't two thousand anymore. This isn't oh you know two thousand one, two thousand two or the nineties where you know ninety percent of the kids are staying home and it's rare to see a kid from California go to Georgia or Alabama or Clemson. Now it's the norm. These guys recruit all across the country, and that's because they sit down in your living room they say, "Look man, you're gonna go three or four years in college wherever you go, and if you're good enough and you go to the n f l I got news for you. You're probably not going to be playing in your home state. And so what are you going to do then? So why don't you go ahead and grow up now, you know, get off the tit, so to speak, and, and go ahead and leave home and come play at a program that's going to develop you to your maximum potential and increase your NFL draft stock and get drafted higher and make more money. Go ahead and start that process now instead of in three or four years whenever you get drafted no matter where you go. And so, and I think a lot of kids understand that. And um, and so, I think it's important to have some recruiting ties in the state of Texas. Um, I still believe Nick Saban will go in there annually and get two or three highly, you know, highly touted recruits out of the state. Um, But I wouldn't mind you know either one of those guys because of the Texas hires. Ryan, what do you think about those two um, positions being filled? You know, probably going to be in the next two or three days. Who would you like to see in those positions?
2: Well, I'd like to lead off with uh Jeff Banks was a huge loss because he owns the state of Texas and what he did with Alabama. He owned the state of Texas. I mean, he was going in there and just getting guys left and right.
0: So hey, that. Let me, one does, let me, so. Hey, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something you didn't know. Alabama signed seven players out of the state of Texas. Jeff Banks only recruited two of them. He was only the primary recruiter on two of them. A lot of people don't realize that. Charles Huff had three of them, and then Carl Scott got two also, and then Jeff Banks only got two, so a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think about his ties to Texas and think that that's his recruiting area, but a lot you know, of those seven guys, their primary recruiter on the two of them was uh, was Jeff Banks.
2: Who were the Who were the two recruits?
0: You know, I can't remember. Just keep talking, and I'll pull it up for you real quick.
2: Yeah, but I think – I mean, that, that's a huge loss. But then again, I mean, we we say so much coaching turnover in the last, I mean, what, eight years it seems like. And it just seems like every year it's like, well, well damn, lost this guy. Well, then, in, you know, a year and a half, two years later, it's like, well, you know, what what we were thinking when we hired him, you know, we were very skeptical. you got to trust safe. Always have to because, I mean, I was a little – a little bit on the fence about Sark, but I had to just trust Saban. But for the running backs, I like I like Grant a lot because he has a lot of experience coaching that position. I think he's going to bring a lot of valuable experience. And for the tight ends, I'm cool with either Sumlin or Jay Bolwer. I would probably say Jay Bolwer just because he has coached special teams. And he is from the state of Texas, so it would kind of be a swap. I mean, he was at uh, Oklahoma, I want to say, when they drilled us in 2013 or 14, whatever year that was. So I think whoever they bring in will be a solid hire. Like I said earlier, they'll come in, they'll just do their job, do what's needed of them, and then, you know, maybe get out, get a head coaching gig, and then we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, I love how <clears throat> basically all three of our, if you're an Alabama fan, you haven't figured that out by now. I don't know what's taking you so far, but, uh, but, you know, to answer your question, I I looked it up and, and Jeff Banks was responsible for Jalen Milroe and Kendrick Blatshire out of the state of Texas. Um, and then, oh gosh, I just had it. And, uh, you know, it actually, you know, it was Carl Scott. Who went in there? He got the Brockemeyer uh, brothers. He got, you know, Carl Scott Carl Scott, by the way, is still on staff. He got Jojo Earl. Um, he actually is the lead the lead recruiter for Kamar Wheaton, who is the only player that's committed right now that's not signed. Um he's out of Garland, Texas, the number two running back in the country. Like I said, the Brockmeyer brothers their twins, Jojo Earl, um, Jaden Roberts, um, who's from North Shore. Uh, and so yeah, it was really really Carl Scott doing a lot of the heavy lifting in the state of Texas and so I'm not saying Jeff Banks is not a good recruiter because he is um and I think he'll do very well recruiting the state of Texas but what I my message I'm trying to get to the Alabama fans out there listening to this is is don't don't panic you know I mean I didn't want to see Jeff Banks leave either but you know as an Alabama fan you put your trust in Saban and you're going to be fine um, so um so yeah um any other? Let's see. Yeah, yeah. Grand. Yeah, we yeah we covered all that. Um, I actually, wouldn't mind Lance Taylor, former backs coach. I'm gonna go ahead and say, if I had to pick one, I like Lance Taylor. I think he's he. I think he would be better on the recruiting trail. And um, I like how he's been, you know, coaching in in, in the Northeast. And you know, he's, he's been to Notre Dame and in New York. And you know, he's from Alabama, so I would like I like to see former players coaching at Alabama, but I don't want that to be the main reason that we hire him. That makes any sense. I want him to be a good coach. You know, I'm not saying like you know an Auburn situation. I'm not trying to dog their staff, but Zach Etheridge was a good player at Auburn. Not really sure he's the best coach, and you know they hired him because he's a former Auburn player. Auburn tends to do that a lot, and uh, you know I think I think Cadillac Williams is pretty good. He went out and got Tank Bigsby. Did a good job there but, um you know i'm, I'm so I, I don't I don't want to get a former player just to have a former player. i want to make sure he's a good coach as well um a s c championship game this year um the reason we brought ryan on i know he's been i know he's been waiting on this um all show he's been kind of giving half ass answers just so he can get to this to this part of the podcast but uh a s c championship game. Bills at Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium, 540 Central time. Patrick Mahomes still in NFL concussion protocol. Is he going to play or not? Ryan, give me a quick breakdown of this game and tell me who you think wins it.
2: Bill's upset. Easy.
0: Next. It's because Josh Challenge, your fantasy boy, right? That's
2: my guy. I love Josh Challenge. <laughs> yeah, Hunter. yeah. He, uh, he definitely – Yeah, I think with – I just think this, this is the team that could go into Arrowhead and beat them. Because I feel like if it goes to a high scoring game, Josh Allen can make just as many plays as Mahomes. Their defense is a little worrisome though. But I, I feel like, I, I feel like Josh Allen's gonna go in there and he's gonna make a play late. He's gonna make a throw late to Diggs. And then they're gonna go up. I'm gonna say 34 27.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people will see this as a high scoring game. You know, I really wouldn't be surprised at all. And, you know, if, if, if Mahomes can't clear protocol, I think the Chiefs have an obvious advantage. Um, you know, but, Josh Allen's legs too. I mean, people forget how, how good he is using his feet, especially around the goal line. He will run in a touchdown on you in a second. And, um, and, uh, yeah, he, he's making big plays with his arms and his legs. His development has been off the charts in Buffalo. That was a great draft pick they made a couple of years ago. Um, I, you know what, Ron? You talked me into it. I'll, I'll go build. I'll go a little bit lower scoring. Um, let's let's say twenty seven, twenty four bills. And you know, I think a lot of you know, I think a lot of the home field advantage stuff is home field advantage is kind of overblown in twenty twenty because of the or twenty twenty one now because of the COVID situation. There's there's not a lot of fans. You know, you're not going to have sixty, seventy, eighty thousand in these stadiums. You know, where you can't hear yourself think. You can't you can't hear checks. You can't hear calls. And uh, I just think it makes it makes it a lot more of an even playing field. So yeah, I'll take the Bills an upset as well. Lester, what do you think?
1: I think that uh, I'm going to lean with whoever gets up first because neither one of the teams have the have good defenses. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Buffalo has the best has the better of the two, but. If they can somehow keep Mahomes, if he plays, and keep that rocket arm um, subdued for a little bit and eat up some clock when the Bills have an offense, they have a chance. I am going to say that I'm going to go with Mahomes. I'm going to think that the Chiefs are going to win. Uh, that offense is just extremely powerful, led by Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and uh travis and all those guys so it's going to be hard to stop that three-headed monster but it's it's certainly going to be a good game i'm going to go with uh 34 24 chiefs
0: okay i guess yeah i'm not really sure of the spread on these games i'm should have asked ryan he's the uh he's the guy who keeps up with all that ryan have you have you checked the Packers spread what is that up to
2: yeah, so Buffalo's a three point dog and Green Bay is favored
0: by three. Okay, I was gonna guess around four or five bucks at Packers. Lambeau Field, actually the early game, two oh five, central time on the frozen tundra. Um Ryan, let's start with you, man. You know, Tom Brady was talking about how you know he hadn't played in the cold in a long time and i think it's supposed to be like 24 degrees or something up there with the chance of snow of course so uh tell me what you think you know is it go Pat, go or do you think the, do you think old man brady can get it done one more time
2: look i want to start off with this ryan gutenkoost r g m thank you thank you for what you did in april you traded up and you drafted jordan love you did nothing, nothing but piss Rodgers off, and he's the. I'm not. I can't cuss. I gotta hold it in, but he's he's the he's the MVP. This man has been playing lights out this whole year. That's cool. You want to draft my replacement? Bam, 48 tuds. What is it? Five six picks. Unreal season. This game does worry me a little bit because I wanted Drew Brees' noodle arm up there in the cold, let him sit on the sideline while A-Rod gets eight-minute drive, get that arm kind of tight. That's what I wanted. But we'll take Brady, too. He's old. And back to the draft night, everybody thought, oh, they're going to take a receiver. They're going to take a, you know, a linebacker, Patrick Queen, that's still on the board. When they took Jordan Love, I... Sh- I chunked my phone across the room. I've never been so mad in my life. I was so pissed off. What do they do in the second round? We take A.J. Dillon. Pissed again. Third round, we take, uh, we take DeGuara, who's out. He's been out all year. But it just shows that LaFleur knew that guys like MVS, who Lester knows this, I have issues with because he can't catch the ball. Lazard, Big Bob tion they were going to emerge. And those have been the keys this year. Yeah, Devontae's been great. He's the best receiver in the league, best QB receiver duo in the league. But when he can't, which he gets open all the time, but teams shift their focus to him. All right, well, well, eighty-five's running down the field wide open. You know, we got a three-headed monster in the back with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and A.J. Dillon, who's come on of late. And he's a big guy, and that's what I'm interested in on Sunday is if they get him going because
1: Tampa's
2: defense is really good. Obviously, we played them early in the year. It didn't really go well. We weren't really clicking then. I think we were still kind of getting our feet wet in offense, but now it's just been lights out, and the defense has been playing, which was the weak spot at the beginning of the year, has been playing so much better, so... I am a little worried about it, but as long as 12 is running the show, Green Bay, cover, easy.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a there is a story about last year how, you know, Aaron Rodgers didn't like, you know, Mike McCarthy's play calling, so he was throwing the ball away on purpose, you know, he wasn't allowed to check, you know. He didn't have full ran of the offense, so he was having an attitude and being a drama queen and everything. A lot of people were down on Aaron Rodgers, and now, you know, they get a new cat in there, and, um, he trusts his quarterback. His quarterback trusts him, and, um, he has full command of the offense, and, you know, both of them are are reaping the rewards. And, uh, so, Lester, I know that, uh, Ryan has you on the Packers bandwagon as well. Tell me who you like in this matchup. I like the quarterback that doesn't have a noodle for an arm. That's well, what well, like I'm gonna pick the Packers too, but let's not slander Tom Brady. He is the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think they're gonna win the game either. I'll get my prediction in a second. Let's give the man a little bit of credit, right? That's 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 no slander, is
1: is facts. I love Tom Brady. I, I'm a big fan of what he's done. I've enjoyed growing up watching him play the game of football. But that offense has limitations. He's great. He is a great leader, but he can't sling it down the field like he used to. Um, that NFC game last week between the, the Saints and the uh, Bucks was, was a little sad. Two guys of um, all of us have grew up watching. They just can't do it. They're not in their 20s. They're not in their 30s. Those, those guys in their mid-40s, it's a blessing. It is awesome that they're still playing the game of football. But in that same breath, I'm going to roll with um, A-Rod, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, The guy has a laser. He's a great leader. And he, despite all the things his organization has done to him or not done for him, he's leading this team, and they're going full steam ahead. I'm going to go with the
0: Packers. You know, the worst thing that, that Packers management has done to Aaron Rodgers was not draft Jordan Love in the first round. And A.J. Dillon in the second. The worst thing they did was take years off of this career, letting Brett Favre come out of retirement and, and drag around the field. That was the worst thing that could have happened to him. And this guy was waiting in the wings. And all of a sudden he comes out and wins the Super Bowl. I don't know. What, what year is that? Like 2010?
2: Is that right, Ryan? Yeah, 2010. 2010. Yeah, 2010. But something quick on that. I don't think – and I think Aaron would agree with this if you asked him. I don't think he was ready. So I think him sitting under Favre and kind of like seeing how he does things and just just learning how to be a pro really has helped him, and he's kind of alluded to that a little bit. I know their relationship wasn't great at one point, but it's perfect now, but Aaron has said that he didn't think he was ready.
0: Yeah, and you know, Brett Favre has done interviews where he said that, you know, it wasn't his job to mentor Aaron Rodgers, so I'm not really sure how great their relationship was and how much teaching was going on, but you know... Brett Favre was a guy that you can watch and learn from. But, you know, I'm not I'm not a, a big NFL guy. I don't have a team that I live and die by. Um through through the years I've you know, I'm a Boston Red Sox fan and um and just so being in New England, you know, they had the dynasty. I love Tom Brady's story, you know, getting drafted in the sixth round. I actually got to watch him beat Alabama in the nineteen ninety two Orange Bowl. Um well, they won in overtime. Uh, Ryan Flewden missed an extra point. He was bringing up some bad memories. So I've actually gotten to see Tom Brady play in person when he was in college. And so I've always liked Tom Brady. I've always liked the Patriots. Um, and so I'm going to like Tom Brady no matter where he is. So I'll watch the Bucks this year. You know, I, I like the uniforms, and they had a lot of playmakers. And, you know, wide open. I had O.J. Howard, who, you know, tore his Achilles um, about midway through the season. He was done for the year. But, you know, I've also been to a Packers game. I, you know, and, and I told Ryan this last week. I didn't think he knew this, but, um, because I texted him about the game, he was like, come join the bandwagon. I'm like, man, I've always paid attention to the Packers. I'm just not live and die because, um, my parents actually took me up there to see the Packers and the Bears play on Christmas Day. I can't remember the year it was. Brett Favre was a quarterback, Brian Erlacher was playing middle linebacker for the Bears. And, uh, um, and it was Christmas Day. It was, it was like 34 degrees and everybody up there is in shorts and no shirt and I'm freezing my ass off in the, in the first row in the end zone. I had a, uh, had a Lambo leap about maybe 10 or 15 feet to the left of us, I believe. And, um, you know, I, I bought a, my dad bought me a cheese head that I, that I still have somewhere. Uh, and so yeah, I, I was, I was all packed and, um, so I've always I've always liked the Packers. I've always liked Tom Brady. But in this game, you know, looking at it from an outsider's point of view, I just think the Packers have just, you know, as much as much weapons as Tampa Bay has. Aaron Rodgers uses his better. The way they use Devonte Adams is better than, than the way the Bucs use um, Scotty Miller or Chris Godwin or, or Mike Evans or Gronk, whoever. Um, Tampa Bay has more playmakers, but Green Bay uses theirs a lot better whether it's Aaron Jones in the passing game. You know, the shotgun run I think is great in Green Bay. The way they get in the gun with four wide receivers and run a smash-mouth type of run game, I think that is tremendous because you take out two or three guys out of that box. And you don't have to worry about eight or nine guys being in, being in there. You get five or six guys in the box, and then you're one-on-one matchups. So I think that's great. You know, like Ryan said, the defense has been playing a lot better. I like the Packers in this game. And I see it being somewhere around 34 27. I don't, I don't see anybody scoring late. I think the Packers score early and they uh, and they and they take control of the game and they re- they really never look back on the way of a to a Super Bowl berth against the Bills, of course. Um, last segment we're gonna finish up with, man, Lester. Seems like I ask you every week, what is going on with this basketball team in Tuscaloosa, dude? I mean, <laughs> you know. Me and me and Dad, we, we had two tickets to the game on Saturday against Arkansas. Bill was able to get you a couple of tickets as well, so you were able to go to the game. We kind of decided last minute to go. Man, Alabama beats Arkansas by 31 points. Just absolutely puts it on them, 90-59. And then, you know, we're talking about how great that was, but hey, man, LSU is a different animal. You got them on the road down there. They were 8-0 at home um, before before Tuesday's game. And then what does Alabama do for an encore? They score like 20 points in the first 35 seconds. I mean, they just don't miss on in route to a 105 to 75, another 30 plus point win for Alabama. Lester, what's happening in Tuscaloosa?
1: I love it. It is it is an onslaught of offense and it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's wonderful. What I love about it is they can shoot the lights out, but what's going to carry this team is when they aren't shooting, that defense, the way they are playing defense, stifling other teams, getting their faces, grabbing rebounds, being tough, that's going to carry you because sometimes the shots are going to fall. But defense is one thing that you control, your effort and your intensity. I love it, man. Speaking of that game Saturday, I did my damnness. I did my best to try to convince you and a couple of other guys to take off work Tuesday and Wednesday. Let's head down to Baton Rouge. But uh, um, that, that that was a great game to watch. I was texting uh, both of you guys in separate groups, and I was just lit, having a great time by myself in my apartment. I, and I was telling uh, Bill and Beeves and, and Wesley, I was like, guys, I used to walk if you've ever been to campus or to the University of Alabama, I used to walk from Lakeside East to Coleman Coliseum, sit there and watch Anthony Grant, later on watch uh, Avery Johnson, religiously, faithfully went to games and all that effort was not rewarded and to see this team now, how they are playing their tails off their ball and they are, balling, they are they're so much fun. They're so exciting to watch, led by a great dude in Nate Oates. I absolutely love it, man, and I cannot wait to see them uh, play Saturday against Mississippi State. Uh, then Kentucky, Oklahoma's coming up. So this this team, I don't see them slowing down anytime soon.
0: If they if they win Saturday against Mississippi State, are we talking about a top ten basketball team.
1: Yes, yes. Um, I'll hesitate to say that, yes. But, look, this team, I believe they can handle that pressure. I, I really do. Um, they played, I think, one of the toughest SEC schedules thus far. The rest of their SEC slate is the weakest schedule. So this team can – I'm not going to say they're going to go undefeated in the SEC, but I'm not taking it off the table. So this is definitely a, uh, a t- one of the top teams in the country. Um, they absolutely deserve it, and I believe that they can handle it.
0: You know, Ryan, I'm not, I'm not really sure how much you pay attention because last time you were on here, it was it was strictly football. Basketball season had not started yet, so um, uh, how much do you watch Alabama basketball? How much do you keep up with it? You know, uh, if you're a fog, that's okay. You can admit that. We're not going to judge you on here um, because I do know some people that are like that. But uh, if you have been watching the basketball team, tell me what you thought about it, you know, almost midway through the SEC slate.
2: Look, let's get one thing straight. I'm not Ryan Fowler. I'm not a fog. Uh I've been watching Alabama basketball. Hell, basketball is my parent, my two parents' favorite sport. They love football, but basketball season's their favorite. My dad coached high school basketball for years. My mom, she just loves basketball. Hell, I was going to Alabama basketball camps when Godfrey was the coach. I mean, I have a picture with him and Chuck Davis. I got picks with all of them. So I've been watching it for a while. This team has so much swagger and confidence that and, – and another thing, too, you can really tell that everybody has bought into what Oates wants. He wants high intensity and just grittiness. I mean, we're up 30-something points with 10 seconds to go last night, and we're diving for balls. And, and you just don't see that everywhere. You know Avery was kind of soft on him. We didn't really. We kind of ran the Houston Rockets like ISO offense. All right, well we'll we'll run it down to under ten, and we'll let Colin or Kira drive it in. Not this team. We're playing fast and we're just shooting the lights out. And I saw something on Twitter. I guess it was last, late last week where somebody told an anonymous coach told I can't remember who it was. Might have been Jeff Goodman that. This team reminds, reminds him of a lot of the 2019 Auburn team that went to the Final Four just because their ability to when they shoot, and when they start making shots, it's just hard to come back from. So it, it's really exciting what's going on right now. I love Nate Oates. I love the team. Like I said, their grittiness, their confidence, their swagger that they've brought. It's, it's just
0: really fun to watch right now. It's easy to coach. A team to guard. It's easy to guard whenever your shots are falling. It's it's easy to find the energy to defend after you see the ball go through the net, whether it's a two or a three, especially a three, but even a two. It's a lot harder to defend and guard when your shots aren't falling, and this is a little bit what Lester was talking about. It becomes coaching at that point. the The fact that Nate Oates is able to consistently now, over the last eight or nine games, since the loss to Western Kentucky, he sat down, Reese and Rojas. I don't know what happened there. Nobody does. But whatever happened, it worked. And he basically told these guys, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a lottery pick. I don't care if you're a senior, if you're a freshman. You're going to defend, and you're going to give me the effort that I expect out of you. And you 're not going to give it to me whenever the shots are falling you're going to give it to me for forty minutes, and they've bought in, and you're you're seeing the results from it. You're seeing the results of whenever you get good senior leadership from a college basketball team and 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 they do what they're supposed to do all the time, not whenever your shots are falling when when you're doing that for forty minutes. It's huge, and that 's what Alabama's been doing. Yes, their shots have been falling, but whenever they go on those cold runs, which is going to happen to a three point shooting team, um, they're still able to defend the bucket and to keep themselves in games um, until their shot comes back and uh And I think that's been huge and uh and you know let 's hope it continues they 're not going to stay this hot from deep um you know, throughout the remainder of the season, it just doesn't happen like that. I mean, I guess LSU shoot 56% from the field and then 54% from deep. You're not going to have games like that. But I mean, you know, even if Alabama shoots 30% from deep, you know, they probably keep their starters in longer and they still win the basketball game. That's the thing. That's how you can kind of break this down. But um, what Nate Oates has been able to establish at the University of Alabama in such a short period of time, and um, yes, he does have a good roster. He he has a core of seniors that is really, really good. They played a lot of basketball together. They've seen the floor with each other a lot. He's brought in some really talented freshmen, um, or a really talented freshman in Josh Primo, who's contributing in more ways than one, um, playing really good basketball. He's getting... Good minutes from Shaq. I mean, just everybody is doing what they're supposed to do. Even Reese isn't screwing up. Really the only one that you know I think Rojas is higher on my crap list than, than Reese is. Um he had the the perfect stat line against LSU. Let me read this out to you. James Rojas, thirteen minutes, zero attempts from the field, seven assists, or I'm sorry, seven rebounds. That's it. That's what you need out of Rojas. Don't shoot the ball. Don't dribble the ball rebound and pass it that's what you do and then play bully ball in the paint you know you're only going to play 15 to 20 minutes go ahead and use up them fouls big man i don't care you know just don't you know try not to do it when they're shooting but you know <laughs> anyway i think he has like 23 points and 22 fouls over the last like seven games or something i i, I don't know I, somebody sent me a stat i think it was my dad that sent me that stat but um yeah you know let, let's hope they keep it up against mississippi state this saturday They have them at home then they have kentucky at home next tuesday you know with the sec being so talented it doesn't get a lot it doesn't get much easier um and so lester kind of said that at the back end of the schedule you have some teams that are more beatable like your georgias and south carolina and vanderbilt but um you know you definitely don't want to let up and uh Lester, do you think this is a team if they can if they continue this type of play, that not only has a chance to make the tournament because I think they're going to make it no matter what? Do you think they have a chance to not get to the Sweet Sixteen, but maybe an Elite Eight or a Final Four run?
1: I do, I really do. I think coming into the uh, coming into the season where we, where we talked about it, we thought that we came up as a decision that Sweet Sweet Sixteen would be a great season that was the top of the top you know our expectation was to make the tournament you know advance and a sweet season team, you know we'll go from there but now man it's hard not to look further and further as to what this team can do we we see it the talent is there the system's there the players are there just got to remain healthy and get healthier, get uh, Brunner back. So, yeah, I think this team is primed to make a deep run. If they really, uh, they really, really are.
0: Ryan, you know, you've seen a a trend um, in the last couple of years. You know, with, with with Villanova and and you know, well, Villanova twice, but um. You know, you've seen more and more Virginia, you know, last year, or not not last year, but 2019, um, that beat Auburn in the Final Four on on the Phantom double dribble or whatever. But uh, you've seen these teams recently, you know, even North Carolina, when they won the national championship, have a talented group of young players, but also you have guys like Kyle Guy that can knock down three clutch free throws for you. You know, he's played a lot of basketball. The pressure doesn't get to you. You have your seniors on these teams, and it seems like it's anywhere from two to four that, you know, either start or they play anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes or 15 to 20 minutes in the game. You know, these seniors that have seen a lot of ball and they've played a lot of ball and they lead the team, the team runs through them. And that's been a big trend, you know. Even when Auburn made their Final Four run, you had Jared Harper and Bryce Brown, you know. You had all these seniors, and then you had Chumo Okiki, who was a sophomore. Um, he was your young, your young stud, and uh, and so that's kind of the trend. And this is how this Alabama team is built. Um, this roster is really perfect for Nate Oates because he's developed them. I mean, everybody sees Herb Jones is shooting close to fifty percent from deep this year. Now he's not. He's not going to shoot it from deep every time he gets the ball because his game is the dribble drive, and he knows that. And um, everybody knows what their game is, and everybody is playing their game. And he has the perfect roster to make a, a tournament run. And um, yeah, not not just for the Sweet Sixteen, he can go past that. If they end up with a two or three seed and, and end up in a favorable bracket, where you know they don't have to face a Baylor or. You know Gonzaga or Michigan or whoever—they have a, a really good chance of getting to the Final Four round. What do you think about that?
2: Well, right now there's there is only I would say two, maybe three teams that I feel like are real true like national championship contenders, and I feel it's Gonzaga, obviously, and Baylor. And I think Iowa has the team to make a run because they've got Luka Garza, they've got some shooters on the outside. Big so white guys, really, Yeah, I mean... it's Every year,
0: shooters. those big white guys.
2: Exactly. But the thing with Iowa is, is like the Big Ten is so deep that they're just beating up on each other. I mean, it's almost like SEC football. You know, back in a couple years ago where just teams were just so good we were just beating up on each other. So I really feel like And especially with the team, your quote-unquote blue bloods of Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, all having just terrible years. I, I guess Kentucky's the worst. Duke's all right. North Carolina's whatever. But I really think this year the field is open for anybody because, you know, you catch Gonzaga on off night and you have a half of a night that Bama did last night of just shooting. You, you're in really good contention to beat them. I think Gonzaga and Baylor are both really, really, really deep in terms of their playmakers. So I think Alabama definitely does have the roster. They definitely do have the players to make a run. It's just really getting, getting guys healthy and getting them back like Bruner. You know, if he can get back, that's huge because he has a great basketball IQ. He does the dirty work down low, but he can also pop it from the top. So I feel like this team, like I said earlier about the guy who had this saying that you reminded him of Auburn two years ago, this team's very special, and I don't know many teams that would want to face them come March and April.
0: Yeah, and and you know I think the problem with the Gonzaga every year it seems like you know they just they go thirty and one or whatever twenty nine and one or twenty eight and two and it's just they're just beating up on these crap teams out there is is a mid-major, and then, you know, you get to the tournament, you got to play some of these guys, you know, I think it helps that the SEC has as many good teams as it does, I mean, I think LSU, you know, I think Alabama, you know, what they did Tuesday night, I mean, what are you going to do, like, when when a team is shooting 54% from deep, what are you going to do, you you can't defend it, Q is out there shooting 30-footers, I mean, unless you really want to guard 30 feet from the bucket, I mean, that's what you have to do, you can't really stop that, and so, you know, that game's kind of an outlier for me. I think LSU still a good team. They have Cameron Thomas, the leading scorer in the SEC, as a true freshman. You got Trenton Watford, and you, I mean, you have some dudes that can play ball. They think they have like four guys averaging double figures. And uh, so I think they're a good team. Tennessee's really good, uh, Missouri is good. And so I, I think that the SEC is good enough to where it helps you out during the regular season. Yeah, you might have some bumps and bruises along the way. But you're playing good competition, and I think that can help you when it comes tournament time, because when you go up against these other teams, it's really nothing you haven't seen before. And um, you know, if you're hot going into the tournament, yeah, I think a, a team like Alabama can can easily catch fire and make a run. Let's hope that happens. Lester, you got any final thoughts before we head out of here, man?
1: Build the arena. Do it. Let me know where to start. I'll bring a shovel. I'll bring a pickaxe, a sledgehammer. Um or carry some rebar or whatever. Build the arena. I will help. I won't be able to give much money. I can lend a body. I'm kinda of strong. I can carry some stuff. I can take the construction guys whatever they need. Let me know. Let me know. I can operate a lift or something. Let me know. Point me to a time
0: and place. Let's get that arena built, Grant Byrne. I can just see you and you and Fluffy Boy out there with, with your hard hats on and y'all are just Going to work, you, you bring your lunch pail, and you you just you just get it done.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely a team player, dive on the floor, uh, white-collar, blue-collar guy. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Me and Fluff. Right, right.
0: All right, Ryan, we appreciate you coming off again, man. Go pat Go'em, all right?
2: Yes, sir, boys. Thank you for letting me join again you know this is i've always told you this you know let's do this every week i enjoy it it makes my time at work go so much better and smoother so thank you for the hour thank you for just letting me be on and go pat go we're coming tom brady i know you put that little hype video out we're coming we're coming we'll see you in limbo on sunday
0: yes sir on the frozen tundra yeah episode 20 um gun Runners podcast chase thornton lester mitchell special guest ryan morrison Go Pat, go! We're out!